The Chicago Bears send off 2023 the only way they know how with a crushing victory at home over the Atlanta Falcons in the snow that had Chicago rocking. Everything went well today, which is why Nick and I are basically going to raise a glass to the number one overall pick, to a phenomenal looking roster, to one of the greatest trades in NFL history, more than likely, and a bevy of offseason options, none of which are unexciting. But we'll talk about all that and more on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to Bear With Us, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, editor-in-chief of The Bears blog, right here with Nick Whalen, my co-host of Football Guys. And Nick, gosh... I was just talking about this with my brother. This might be one of the greatest Bears afternoons of my life. I mean, you just see those two things happening at the same time. The Bears are cruising. Arrow looks way up. Justin Fields, who I know of the two of us, I've been the one that's been harding, harder on him. Justin Fields looked like everything we ever dreamed he would be. All offseason long. Clear mm-hmm. Arrow going up. I mean, gosh, Nick. I don't know if the Bears could have put a foot wrong today. The only sour note, if there is a sour note about this game, is that it just makes the Cleveland one, the Denver one, the Detroit one look that little bit grosser because this team looks like they could make, uh, this team looks like a team that could raise hell in the playoffs. But what are you seeing? What are you feeling? How are you feeling? I mean, to, to to correct what you said there, you mean, when they get in the playoffs, because it's still a possibility. Um, and it, <laughs> and it could be fun. I mean, five of the last seven games have been wins. The other two have been those, you know, disaster. You know, they they let Cleveland and Detroit come back. Really, it could almost be a seven-game winning streak here, which is could insane argue to think about. But to answer your question, Robert, I feel fantastic. Um, this feels like an extra Christmas present I wasn't expecting on, on New Year's Eve. Um and I, I talked about this uh, off air, but for people that are watching the live stream, I'm I'm rocking the stash. Um, and I feel like that had a little bit of power because Arthur Smith, Atlanta's head coach, rocked the stash this year. So I thought I could combat him a little bit with that. But like you're talking I about, it. I mean, this was it wasn't even close. No. And it that was from the start to finish and everywhere in between. There was like a couple plays that I feel like sh- Chicago allowed to have happen that let Atlanta closer into the game, but there's also a couple of plays where it could have been even more of a blowout, which, you know, is something I thought of Atlanta warm dorm or a dome team coming to Chicago in December. It's not a really good recipe for them. No, not a good recipe at all, but even wilder is, I, I don't know how you felt Nick, but okay. So look, let's just address the elephant in the room, right? If you're not a Matt Eberflus fan, I don't have any idea whether you were actually cheering for the Bears to win or not. I definitely flipped in the middle of the game because it was too much fun watching the guys play well. How do you not love that? Like, they win you over so quickly. Not to mention, I mean, they flat out dominated with a capital D, Nick. Like, there, was, there wasn't there was any sense in cheering for Taylor Heineke to luck his way down the field a second or third time. But I don't remember Atlanta ever getting within a, a one-score game after the Bears got up by two. Like, I think they closed it from a three-score game to a two-score game. 
But mm. if that's if that's what it takes to make something close or to make people tense, like we got to look ourselves in the mirror and admit that, like you just mentioned from earlier, the Bears are two historic 90 plus percent win percentage losses away from a seven game win streak. Like the Bears are making a habit of getting into the fourth quarter up quite a bit. It's just whether or not they hang on to the lead. And man, if that's really what we're worried about with a center that seemingly can't play like with one receiver that was healthy on a day like today and with an inside middle linebacker in Tremaine Edmonds that drops what would have been the champagne popping third pick of the game. Like, Mm -hmm. what are we worried about? I know. Yeah. I mean, it's, and again, like we talked about this and it's again, let us dream here a little bit. Y'all. Okay. Right. You flipped, you flipped the, the two games you talked about around and made this a seven game win streak. Chicago is, nine and seven right now and they are one game back from detroit for the division you you flip back all three 90 percentile ones they should have won adding in denver they are tied for the division lead right now Mm -hmm. and they've locked up a playoff spot so that's the tough part with the whole floose thing is like i know we saw the article right or report from rapaport that came out yesterday but that had the caveat of he needs to finish the season well and oh boy, did he. So that leaves you next week, Robert, with what has to happen next week for Chicago to not even think about moving on from Flus or Fields. Well, I mean, gosh, gosh, if you don't get undressed by the Packers, I I would struggle to imagine the vibes from this game getting tamped down that hard. Like you would have needed to have a win where you squeezed it out against Atlanta in the worst case scenario, in my opinion, to really make next week a coin flip. I mean, you got to remember the Bears, if if memory is serving me well, the Bears are now like 24 and 28 in their last like 30 meetups with the Packers. Or sorry, by that I mean they have lost 24 of their last 28 meetings with the Packers. I should have clarified that I don't think they've won in their last eight meetings and so if they do march into Lambeau and lose part of me as much as everybody says that oh well George McCaskey's gonna care about that one he will but he's also probably realistic enough to know that the Bears have done so much losing in Lambeau that I bet you he'd write it off so long as it's not a complete embarrassment you know what I'm saying like you lose that game 20 to 23 and I bet the vibes from a 17 to 37 win at home where, I mean, you had fans chanting to keep fields. You had yep. fans chanting anything. Like, it, it yep. looked sounded, looked and sounded like a uh, European soccer stadium in terms of the fans just inventing new chants left and right. It was awesome. It was well, yeah, awesome. Well, they're not booing. They're not no. booing. That's the other thing is, like, we had some of that early in the year. Um, so th- there's a few things from the game I, I want to talk about. So, well, I guess the other part of this we got to celebrate today is – getting the number one pick. So like, not yes. only, not only is the team just, you know, rising and it's everyone. It's not just like offense, like defense, young kids are like thriving. Mm-hmm. I mean, Javon Dexter, we'll have to talk about him later, but then oh you have gosh. the number one pick, which honestly the hilarious part was not only did Carolina lose, but the Cardinals beat the Eagles. It's awesome. To be honest with you, like the funniest part about it is so you had this Panthers game that wasn't tense for any other reason than Bears fan anxiety. You had a Bears game that wasn't tense for any other reason than Bears fan anxiety. And then you had this banger of a football game going on in Philadelphia as the Cardinals brought it back. I mean, it's so funny the way that the NFL works, man, Nick, because when we are Bears fans, 
it can be easy for us, especially guys like you and me, where we, I mean, Floos is still going to have to work. I, I don't know. I don't want to make Floos out to be more or less than he is. There's been a hell of a turnaround, right? The Bears are two historic losses away from leading the division and being, frankly, a better story than the Lions were last year. So worst case scenario, you could argue that they're kind of in the same boat. And if mm -hmm. they don't draft a running back, and if they don't draft a linebacker, they're going to very quickly be in a better boat. I think yeah. the, the Detroit yeah. lions, which is yeah. wild, but all this to say that like, it's so easy for us to go, Oh, they beat the Cardinals. Who cares? This is the NFL buddy. Like I'm guilty of this more than nearly anybody. The bears could add stick with Justin Fields next year. Very feasibly win 12 games. Would they go to a super bowl, man? I don't know. Would they win a super bowl, man? I don't know. Out of the last like decade of quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl, it's been all Hall of Famers. Assuming you count Matthew Stafford as a Hall of Famer, you may not, right? But so it's like all Hall of Famers, and then Matthew Stafford, whatever you want to do with him, and Nick Foles. So the recipe to win a Super Bowl, man, that is a tough rubric, and everybody keeps trying to bring it up, and there's just not enough data. You know what I mean? Right. But well, a very just, a very good team, that's on the table, nearly no matter what right, you do. Right. Well, like, okay, so diving deep into that part of it, I have some other thoughts. Like, the... Obviously, Brady's and Peyton's and whomever, like they carry the torch for so long that I think muddies it so much. It does. Like, you you have the goat. Like you're not going to have. I mean, again, I'm not one that uses that term no, loosely. No, no, no. In the I last, I don't use generational loosely or elite loosely. But he was the goat. So you you look in this like modern era of football right now with the two high safeties, Robert and quarterbacking i mean mahomes and allen and herbert and some of these guys have been struggling so much that you need the supporting cast it almost makes me wonder if it's a new era because you look at jalen hurts made it to the super bowl last year was very close you know wherever you are on the pi call but i mean that was all they carried more of him i think to the super bowl than him taking everyone on his back and carrying like some of the other ones have. So like, there's a whole debate with that. And I think of course the, you can, you can go either way. And I think it's going to be very interesting now with fields playing better. It makes it more of a conversation because he's not like the 20th, the 25th best quarterback. Now he's working his way towards 15th, maybe 12th. You know, he could be well, in that range. And so if you keep playing like that, it's going to make everything more, more, Debatable on Twitter. So again, also people right. be more nice on Twitter. And, and I mean, God knows that the fields is like EPA statistics, CPOE statistics. Look, we're a film-based channel here, but mm -hmm. we like to look we like to look the numbers in the eyes and speak to them because we believe that if you can't speak to them, then you have a bigger problem. Right, Nick? Like that's how that's how you can miss things, at least in our opinion. But that said, Fields' statistics are gonna be a mess because the first part of the season, the later part of the season, and everything in between are, are kind of just all over the place. Like, as yeah. much as Nick, I wanted to, because I, I want to admit something. I caught myself being, I think, I think looking for Fields to have an explicit answer in the Arizona game. Like, I think I watched the Arizona film just looking myself in the mirror, man. Like trying to find the reasons why I shouldn't buy back in because okay. at the end of the game, we've got a hobbled DJ Moore and a hobbled Cole Komet. And really cool. what is the rest of the team? And would I be holding Joe Burrow to X standard? Would I be holding like Justin Herbert to Y standard if he had nobody around him, right? Arizona or not. It's easy to say, oh, well, this person would do this. Uh, it, Mahomes' receivers have been negative receivers. Kadarius yep. Tony has played for other teams, but it still happened. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's well, I mean, I, I would say even I mean, it's with, weirdly with as hobbled as they were, and with Tevin Jenkins out, I mean, I would rather have what's around Mahomes than what was on around Fields to the last what half of that game. Gosh, I mean, first of all, that's a big thing to say because what's been around Mahomes has been despicable. Yeah, but you but still have Kelsey versus Tunyon. You have Rasheed Rice versus Bayless. So you got the Kayla or you got the Tunyon part. Uh, I agree with you with mm-hmm. where Kelsey, but then you get to like Marquez Valdez Scantling versus a Mooney that I, man, I don't want to go full tinfoil hat this early in the podcast. This is ridiculous. Do you, <laughs> you think, do once per pod? I know. Though. Do you think that they benched Mooney and called it an injury, or do you Ooh. think that they, or or do you think that Mooney's hurt? Because it, I'm surprised they called it a concussion. Right? I'm surprised that he finished the game. Normally concussions yeah. don't do that. Can't doesn't mean it didn't happen. But him being inactive after last week's game, I'm just saying for a hits based organization, it would kind of make sense. Because last week's game was loafy, man. (laughs) Well, okay. To to take that further, I have somebody that should be inactive for next week, and his name is Justin Jones. So we'll get on. We'll get on that at some point. We'll get there. Because we do have to work back to the game. I do want to say this though, you because you mentioned the too high thing and what that's done Mm -hmm. for quarterbacking. You know, it's funny. Because this is where I feel like we've seen a resurgence in, let's call them backup quarterbacks, right? Guys like Garner Minshew, guys like Jake Browning, guys that just get the ball out to their playmakers have been making hay in the new NFL. But you could argue, Nick, that more than ever, boxes being lighter and DBs sitting in zones downfield means that Fields is running does do a lot of damage. And when you're using it correctly, or at least when it pops, Fields is running tilts games that shouldn't tilt it otherwise. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I know it sounds hokey. I know it's what everybody has said. But yeah, actually, there's a path to success here if Fields does hit a couple anticipatory shots over the middle. He dumped one to DJ Moore. The DJ turned up field, picked up a first down on third and seven. Earlier in the game, it was like first and, uh, what was it, first and 10, and he hits a big dagger shot, but moreover, it looked on time. Like, very well on time. Mm-hmm. Er- and, he, and he missed, he overshot Tyler Scott, but it was the right read, and it was an over route. The sure, but then you've got tons of these other over routes where it's Mm -hmm. like you got crossers against man coverage, it's easy pickings for Justin Fields, Mm -hmm. and then he nets your offense a free three first downs that are just break the glass. These, this is nonsense first downs uh, from work in the pocket that should not be. And when you start adding the value of what those plays give you on offense, you get a 30 point performance against a defense that hasn't allowed 30 points. And I mean, I'll have to look it up, but it's been a hot minute, like I'm. I'm just, I'm, I'm proud of you, Robert, because you're coming back towards my area where we're talking <laughs> about Justin Fields running the ball and you're okay with it because look at you that red zone run draw play, which you know they're going to be in man a lot of times near the goal line. And it was so wide open. A few of these other ones that were getting first downs on, mm-hmm. I mean, they're even throwing away runs. There's times where he gets negative one, negative two. It doesn't matter on those because you're going to get the 12, 20 yard runs even another 30 yard run got called back today but again with those two high safeties there's less guys in there and that isolates again we talked about this in the pre-show the slow into your linebackers against justin fields it's a mismatch and it proved it today right and i mean i'll tell you right now that what do you do with fields in the future bro i don't know because not only do we get one game it is so easy for us to do this isn't it in in all walks of life where if your brother makes nine mistakes, but then he does one thing right, you go, 
man, you rule. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. it, this is Fields' best game. If we were smart, we, and this, this, hey, hey, good news, Bears fans. This is going to get the Washington game back in the conversation. Because if you're smart, you push the best game out, you push the worst game out. So you get rid of Tampa, you get rid of the, like of this one, and you evaluate the middle. But it's post-game pod. We can't do that. We, no, we got no, no, we, we we to talk, talk about. more about it. But moreover, to like wonder aloud, like, okay, so we are hitting the point, Nick, where if you asked me to, today, like, okay, we are drafting quarterbacks in order mm -hmm. to win one football game. Justin Fields is starting to rise way, way up that ladder. How well is he going to survive a full NFL season? I don't know, because the longer I keep watching him, the more damage his rushing is doing, the more I want him running the ball, the more he takes three to four hits a game that make me go, ooh, we did not block that one well, yeah. but I guess that's just how it goes, right? But Or, or, or the, slapped in the head? Ugh, he's he's never going to gonna get a roughing call in his life. He I hasn't mean, had one all year. It's a, You think by accident... Taylor Heineke got one today. Looked at, exactly at least like he Hill earned Mary. it because he got smoked in that one. The so did so did Fields before the half against Cleveland. The Cleveland one was just ridiculous. But those end of half. Okay, so I'm not about to go to bat for officiating. The end of half plays are a massive problem in the NFL right now. I think you've seen it where it's like PIs down the field, late hits. You can almost feel the referees swallow the whistle and say, "Well, oh, whatever." You, right? You know who the referee was for that game, right? Was it the bad one? It was the one from last night, the same one. No way. Yes, it was. They hopped on a flight and did a second game. No, 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 no. I'm saying the one in the Cleveland. Oh, game. no, no, they no I called understand. It an now I understand. I was they like, what? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, same but rest. I gotcha. I gotcha. And yeah. like you, and like somebody said in the chat here, the the worst uh, the worst hits Fields takes are absolutely from whiffed blocking assignments. I just think that whiff blocking assignments in the run game are kind of a given. They're going to happen eventually, yep. right? You Nobody can hit all their blocks, but man, if we could transition a little bit, does it, am I crazy? Or is it starting to feel to you like the Bears really are, let's stick to offense, like a center, probably a swing guard, and a second, I'd love a second and third dynamic wide receiver, but let's start with the second one, like away from being a legit stacked out offense. Oh, yeah. Well, you could say second receiver, and you have Tyler Scott as your third if you improved your backup tight end as well. So you could and, go either way on that. But yeah, and no, I agree with you. And getting better. Komet's looking yes. really good. Didn't see him yep. today. But yeah. over the last couple of weeks, he's looking really good. He is. He is. And he, well, I mean, give him a little credit on that uh, that quarterback sneak. And I've been mad at having a wide receiver there, but he got it done. But no, you're right because, well, Robert, this is the problem is we've been judging fields off of, horrendous surroundings we know the o-line last year the line this year has been banged up until the second half of the year and now we've started to win dj moore is a wide receiver that you know a wide receiver one we've finally seen we haven't seen one since i would say marshall and jeffrey from back in the day you know like this is what an average surrounding cast is now you right. could improve it. You could try to get it to be above average, but I think the other receivers besides Tunyon, or I'm sorry, besides Komet and Moore are well below average. The O-line is playing average at best right now, maybe below average on the entire year. Like having just average and judging him, but like that's the problem is it's like, well, he's not as good as insert whatever quarterback. And you're like, yeah, 
Baker Mayfield has Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. We don't have that here. Oh, sure. I mean, I think actually that's probably the hardest part about this, Nick. I saw somebody write this up on Windy City Gridiron where they basically made the argument that the Bears were uh, just a little below average. And this is with the loss of Chase Claypool, who it's easy to forget he was ever on the Bears roster. But the Bears did have a legitimate three wide receiver plan going into the season. One of their wide receivers just, you know, combusted. Right. He, he just I was imploded. cheering for him too, man. I man, was cheering for him. So bad the way that that all uh-huh. worked out. But but more to say that the Bears tried to build something that was fail proof. And hey, the fail scenario brought them down to below average. You you could do worse than that. At no yes. point did we ever get all the way to 2022 bad. But it is easy, isn't it, Nick, that when the pressure starts to turn up on a Bears quarterback and we start to over critique everything. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's somebody out there that wants to move on and hey, valid option. Right now, I'm going to try to straddle the fence because I don't know, but this is the wrong game to talk about, you know who. So we're not going to. But moreover, Nick, like it's so easy for somebody who wants to move on at quarterback to look and be like, yeah, but that Tyler Scott over route, you can't miss that. And I'm like, shut up. Like (laughs) Tyler Scott takes two plays off the board from Justin Fields. You can miss one or two. I I feel like people think that every quarterback or or, or elite, you know, again, elite, right? Top top 10 quarterbacks. They feel like top 10 quarterbacks never miss throws. Go watch Mahomes. Go watch everyone misses. You fan on one now and again. (laughs) Like it's not. So, so one thing I'd like to kind of transition to would be, I, I was underestimating what DJ Moore could mean to Chicago <laughs> yeah. coming here. But on top of that, like how much respect do we have to give him? Cause I talked about this in the pregame pod playing today after looking like he could have torn up his MCL high ankle sprain, whatever it was last week. And he has 159 yards on nine receptions and a touchdown. And he could have had two more like what, what? And, and again, like pros pro and like, everything i mean he had, i remember we were mad at him early in the year he had some bad body language but like <laughs> he's been carrying and then on top of that he put that day up when you knew mooney wasn't there you commit like barely played if anything what was atlanta doing in the secondary like dude just bracket him and then make anyone else beat you look i <clears throat> first of all like i i'm trying to think of some snarky way to say like to, to just say dj moore's out there playing is like not even fair. Dude has another 150 yards. Dude is carrying. And the mm-hmm. only reason he didn't look like he was carrying today, this to me, Nick, this is where football gets so complicated because you have a game like Washington where I think more did the yeoman's share of the work on offense. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing to have weapons that can do that. Today, I thought Fields was just threading it. Like it's good on more that he kept getting open. Right. But I thought Fields carried the load today and got more the majority of his production, as well as hey, little hat tip to a guy that I know a lot of Chicago doesn't like. I thought Luke Getzey's game plan was was good today. I mean, they came out with the plan of basically running a bunch of crossers and pick routes against man coverage and Atlanta never adjusted. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know why they thought this was going to work. I don't know what their plan was. We can figure that out on the all 22, but I mean, it was really open all that. That's very, that's very on Justin Fields, very on DJ Moore, very on Luke Getzey, likely using the middle of the field. This is kind of interesting too, is and I think this is updated. I just looked it up as we're, we're chatting here. DJ Moore on the season. 
1,300 receiving yards, 92 receptions, Mm -hmm. eight touchdowns on 130 targets, which I know y'all will be like, man, 130 is a lot. It's not. For a wide receiver, one, I mean, back in the day, I think Brandon Marshall had like 180 targets that one year in Chicago. So like if you gave DJ more 50 right. more, like you're, you're doing something. So this guy is efficient. He, he earns it before. I mean, he, those veteran moves like you saw Robert, where he leans in to get that separation late on the sideline, gets his feet down and sure handed after the reception, still gaining yards and fighting for some first downs. I mean, mm. like that one mm. he's over the middle, caught it and just backed up because he knew it was close. Like those are the veteran moves that you need let's, to convert first downs and win football games. Let's go through some plays because they are mm-hmm. so much easier said than done. D- uh, DJ Moore catching the slot fade over the shoulder. That is an absolutely impossible catch. I mean, if you go back and you watch that because Fields leaves it a single yard short, meaning that DJ is not going to see the ball like coming over the top of his head. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like it's just behind him enough to where he's going to have a good idea, but he has to pull his hands out to the spot and just hope it falls there. It did. He catches it. No bobble. Little later in the drive, that uh, those late hands that he displayed in the end zone on a route where he was able to generate a step in the end zone, never easy to do, hauls that in. A lot of people bobble those, man. Like, it is so easy to get on receivers when they drop this stuff, but a lot of teams will blow this. And DJ oh. came right through. My favorite play, because it's one of the simplest ones, things, start, things feel like they're starting to unravel, right? Just a little. Like, you get you get the Bears. They take a holding call. They're on offense trying to respond to an Atlanta touchdown drive where Taylor Heineke just ran for 30 yards on you. DJ Moore gets the ball over the middle, stiff arms AJ Terrell, and jogs out a 20-yard first down. For yep. what first and 20? It's first and 10. And yep. these plays were just so great like pulling Yak out when he needed it, making complex catches when he needed it. I know that DJ isn't the world's most sudden mover, like when you compare him to Stefan Diggs, et cetera, but he is such a smooth athlete, and it fits mm-hmm. so well with what Fields does as a passer because he's also an incredibly smooth athlete. It's fun watching the two work together, man. Mm-hmm. Well, you had talked about uh, someone that will bobble receptions and they won't come down with them. We have that person in Chicago. His name's Darnell Mooney. So what we've seen the other side of it and it costs touchdowns, it costs games, it costs drives, and it's nice to have that sure-handed. That's that's exactly what we're looking for, I think. I mean, you think opposite of more, you know, in the dream world, you'd want to have Scott be that, like, speed guy, mm-hmm. and then you'd want to have a big guy, the jump ball type right. guy, You to, to have that, that whole mix. But honestly, I don't care if it's neighbors or Harrison or whomever else. W- one other guy to kind of transition other part of the offense we have to give credit to and people said they saw it last week, and I didn't with Khalil Herbert. I did I not did. see – I didn't see the same burst or the same cutting ability, but he had it today. It, it was, There was more burst, I think, today than last week. There was more cutting ability, and this is what happens when he's healthy. Like, like we talked about this. The Bears were beat up, y'all, early in the year, and they're healthy now. It's like it's rare to be healthy later in the year. And I, I can't believe he didn't score that touchdown late and he got the extra carry than that long run. <laughs> But that is a good, we talked about this in the pregame pod, that's a good interior mm-hmm. run defense. It's a good run defense overall, everyone. I think it's second in the NFL. Um, and he had 18 carries for 124 yards and a touchdown. Khalil Herbert, man, hats up to you today. Hats off to him. I 
how much did he get on the long one? Because he obviously five, I think thirty-five is great. And most people obviously have a long one, so I, I don't know. I remember I used to get into arguments online when it'd be like Jordan Howard had one hundred fifty yards, and somebody would say, "Yeah, but if you take out the sixty-yard run, he was only this." And it was like, "All right, oh, why man. are we doing this?" But so I, for I, I love watching Herbert. The guy's like watching a human pinball. I mean, he just soaks contact so much better than I think people think he does because he's not a huge person. He doesn't nope. run with the power that David Montgomery does, at least on first sight. But when people hit him, the guy doesn't go down, and he just churns his legs for another five or six yards. It sure helped that it – I don't know if you saw what I saw, Nick, but first blush, it felt like the Bears leaning on an outside running rushing attack. Mm-hmm using crack toss, using plenty of these other things that they had going on, and fields his legs on, like, quarterback draw that scored, where he looks as natural as he's going to be. A couple of the other quarterback runs that they had. This stuff lightens the box, opens up seams up the middle, and the Bears capitalized with Herbert, and it was, it was awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just another player that seems like he's playing well, and honestly, at times, I feel like I'm living in a parallel universe because I've watched this jersey play so poorly for so long. But right now, I can't help but be like, we haven't even talked about the defense yet. The offense, for multiple weeks, outside of the Browns game, it's really the only blemish in this, has come out and rocked up two to three touchdowns in the first half. And even if there are questions about what they're doing in the second half of these games, they're giving the defense quite a lead to defend. And hey, that's a winning formula. Is it going to beat the Chiefs? I don't know, but right now, man, you could tell me that the Bears would pick off the chi- or pick off Patrick Mahomes three times. I would believe you. They're they're canning three interceptions on everybody right now. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Two. Well, hold on. One more point about Herbert before I jump to the defense is right because you know we always think long term and we think of the big picture, et cetera. Herbert's under contract for next year. Yes, he is. And you have him, and you got Roshan, and that feels like a really good combo that I don't think you really got to mess with. Like you, you have two cheap guys, you have a speed guy, you got a more of a power guy who can use his hands more. So that that's, that's exciting. But to your point about the defense, I, I had this up. So I'm ready that you, uh, you read my mind here. The defense had four interceptions today, which we were excited about. Again, some of them were just garbage time, but again, that, that's how you seal the win, right? They have had multiple. So this is three or more turnovers forced in four straight games they had none last week against arizona then they had four more again today five out of their last six games having three or more turnovers forced is unbelievable i mean nick let's use all right so picking on one game is never uh, a great way to build a like a real case in football but it's a great way to make a point on a podcast so i'm gonna do it everybody freaked out that Dallas was able to pick off golf how many times last night? How many times? Uh, I'll give you the answer if you don't know. Two or three? It, it was remember. two. The Bears have picked off Jared Goff five times in two games and even put him in a headspace where he had a, one of those Jared Goof fumbles from the other day. Joe Flacco has played clean ball against everybody, you know, except for Chicago, who he played against like at Soldier Field. There's a point. Where we're looking at this, muttering to ourselves, Nick, Taylor Heineke, did you say he threw four picks today? Yep. It no, no, no. He, he threw three. Ritter threw one. He threw, oh gosh. <laughs> and Heineke had another in him. Like, yep. 
Tremaine Edmonds drops a ball straight through his hands, making exactly the coverage play that we've been looking for him to make literally all season. Like, shifting to his right, planting his foot, driving back towards his left, getting into a passing lane, and basically being the guy the quarterback didn't see over the middle of the field, right? Like the shark in the water. This is awesome. This is awesome. I mean, Nick, we hit a point where, so I I put out a tweet, which it, th- there's a reason I hate using terms like I put out a tweet to make a point, but I was just trying to basically put, get some cheap engagement off of the fact that I think Ryan Poles made one of the greatest trades in league history at this point. And so originally the tweet stated something like on a day where DJ Moore had 159 yards receiving and Gravon Dexter had two sacks until somebody pointed out, Oh, Gravon Dexter was the Roquan trade. And I went, Oh, no worries. Then it's Tyreek Stevenson who had two picks. Like <laughs> everybody right now is playing well. Gordon has a pick. Brisker looks great. Gervon Dexter, two sacks, looking yep. like a pass rushing monster. Montez mm-hmm. Sweat looks like one of the best deadline deals in in years. Well, like Michael Lombardi. I mean, I, what's going wrong here? Where's I the know. hole? Is it Eddie what? Jackson? Like that's one of my yeah, favorite yeah. I mean, players, the, man. The defense is defense is studly, and, I, and I'm I'm like looking back. What was what was Montez Sweat's first game with Chicago? Was it? Um, uh, so if memory serves, it was the Carolina Saints game, wasn't it? Saints game. Okay. So I'm I'm looking back here. So the last seven games, Chicago has allowed one opponent to score more than 20 points in the last seven. That was the collapse to Detroit late. Uh, and then, then it was 24 to the Saints, 30 to the Chargers, and then it was 12 to the Raiders, 19 to the Vikings, 20 to the Commanders. So out of the last... I mean, whatever. Since week four, they've allowed two opponents to have more than 24 points. One have 24, and the rest have been 20 or less. It, that's unbelievable. To start the year, remember, y'all, this is the disaster to start the year. 38 to Green Bay, 27 to Tampa, 41 to the Chiefs, and 31 to the Broncos. Since then, they have looked good, and then lately they have looked great. And it's so funny because, again, this is where y- – This is where unless you don't like the Bears defense and unless you're actively trying to make an argument against Matt Eberflus, you can't really use full season statistics because their EPA numbers and et cetera, et cetera, from early in the season are so bad. They keep weighting the Bears into the average. Like when you look at them across the whole season, they're not playing average ball. Like if anything, and we are 30 minutes into the podcast, I'm going to hit you with a take that isn't even hot. It's just the truth. But I think that there are some people, honestly, myself included, that doesn't want to hear this. Atlanta is what a team with a bad coach looks like. And the Matty Bifluce Bears blew them out. I mean, yes. Matty Bifluce may not be the team that we, or Matty Bifluce may not be the coach background that we want him to be. Matty Bifluce may have plenty of things that he has to sort out. I mean, obviously, when you lose what might be both your coordinators that you handpicked, one of them to an HR issue, a second coach on the staff to an HR issue and all the other things that we've talked about, blah, 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 blah. Over the course of the season, you've heard it before you get it right, Nick. But that there's the problem with offensive coaches being pretty much the only ones who make the playoffs succeed in the playoffs, at least over history. But this bears team right now, man, (laughs) they are fun. And I have no idea how sustainable it is. I really don't know, but it is disgusting 
looking at how many options there are at adding a second edge. I mean, that's if you don't oh, want to go with like lots. a Jared Verse, Dallas Turner, Chop Robinson type. Instead, you could add like a Daniil Hunter. You could add a Bryce Huff. You could add all kinds of guys in free agency or the draft. That And then that could be kind of your one defensive move outside of picking up a safety somewhere. You could push the rest in on offense, add yourself a legitimate bona fide center, find some or find some help on offensive line. You're probably going to pick up a free agent receiver. Like, Nick, it is hard for me to not start snowballing, saying, before we even trade the number one overall pick, before we even do anything at quarterback, you can build a real hell of a team because so many guys are starting to rise up and play really strong football mm -hmm. that you say, well, I mean, if Montez sweats the best edge rusher on the team, that's probably still a pretty good defense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. I, I had fun uh, yesterday because you know, we have time off right now with the holidays. I did a, uh, I did a fun mock draft where it was defense based. And I mean, again, I'm not going to go deep into the weeds here. It's just kind of funny. I traded down twice. Um, from one and I got, um, Jerzon Newton. So you have an interior D tackle, your three tech, and then, and then Latu Latu at edge with trading back and getting Max Crosby. And then in the oh, early second, disturbing. I got, and then in the early second, I got kitchens. I was like, build the elite defense and then just have <laughs> Justin do whatever he wants to do. So anyways, it's just fun. But that the fun part is this isn't like one unit is just carrying the other unit. They're both playing right. well and if you're playing this well again with not good edge on the other side and justin jones again he's going to get my patrick lucas patrick comment here he <laughs> should get punted into the sun like he should not be on this roster i mean if it wouldn't cost you draft or uh cap space next week those two penalties were terrible robert you had you had Atlanta stopped two yards short of the first down. And you want to get into an ego trip on the other guy because he hit your guy, which, by the way, I saw a punch thrown by an Atlanta player that didn't get called for penalty or a swing anyway. And who cares, man? Who cares? Scoreboard. That's exactly what you should look to all the time. And that's exactly why, like, getting rid of players. Again, the two worst guys in the field that played was Patrick and Justin Jones. And, like, those are... Like when we, when we're starting to like take out these pieces and we're talking about little things that's going to help Chicago, that's because Ryan Poles has done such a crazy job of flipping this rebuild in such a short period of time. But yeah, like interior pass rush and edge on the other side, like that can get better. But if you're playing this elite and you can have easy upgrades, easy upgrades, this defense as young as it is, I mean, they played well without Jalen Johnson. It's nothing we need to talk about. If you can do easy upgrades, they could stay good for years. It sure feels that way, doesn't it? And I mean, <clears throat> Justin Jones has played, I think, better than we just basically bleh, Justin Jones played the first four weeks of the season pretty poorly. And we kind of decided who he was, given that last year was so bad on defense that why would you assume that Justin Jones had any gas in him? The moment that he got into a medium rotation, right, he started playing better. So I have no idea how he played. For me, it is hard to pick up how uh, I, I just watch all the skill positions. When I'm actually watching the game, watch the quarterback and the skill positions. And so when it comes to Andrew Billings or Justin Jones, like I'll pick up what they did on all the gritty downs where they didn't literally make the tackle on the All-22 rewatch, right? But 
Yeah, you can't really do that penalty, can you? Like, that's the wrong time. That's a game unraveling kind of penalty. And so... Well, and, and the late hit. Right. So, I from, from what I had, so he had the unnecessary roughness call when they were short, but he also had the roughing the passer penalty that gave them a field goal. Like you, you can, you can easily say if we don't mess up our own selves, like Atlanta didn't might not score. Right. And Hey, that's a good thing to be saying though. I will tell you, you would talk about Atlanta or like us messing ourselves up. Taylor Heineke did not play well either. Like we did not beat a hall of famer. Right. I mean, Somebody mentioned this in the chat. They're absolutely right. The broadcast was pointing out open receivers that he was missing. It always gets funny when you're talking about stuff like that because you hope as a defense to create an an imposing enough environment that the quarterback feels hurried, and that is exactly what Heineke looked like to me. I don't know what you saw, but he was not camped out in the pocket looking for the open guy, which is a very different story than what we saw early on in the season where I know you pointed this out with Baker Mayfield where Baker actually relaxed in the second quarter of the yep. game on, and you saw him go, oh, sheesh, it's like I got a red jersey on. Thank goodness. No, yeah, Heineke, played, Heineke played like he knew that the offense on the other side was going to snowball him if he didn't make a play, and that if he didn't get the ball out of his hands, he had number 98 coming for him, which mm-hmm. that's what you want as a defense. Well, I'll give him a little credit today, though. He His scrambling created, I mean, obviously the touchdown, which I – I was just shocked that that happened, but also uh, multiple first downs too. I mean, early on they were cooking because mm-hmm. he ran, he, they had two chunk plays of, well, actually they had another one on the next drive. They had three plays of over 20 yards, which I was like, uh, is our defense going to show up? And then they finally did. Right. It was obviously a weird day to make anything too definitive in terms of claims. I mean, the footing's so bad out there that yeah. to say that, I mean, somebody mentioned, and I hadn't thought about it at all until they said it on the broadcast, that if the ground is icy, and especially if it's snowy, that it's hard to get off of the ball well, which is going to kill pass rush. And I completely get that. And so it's nice to see that the Bears were able to make do all the same. Felt to me, by the way, we talked about this in our matchup podcast, but I thought Tyreek Stevenson did a great job against Drake London, all things considered, uh, when he got his opportunities. He's playing great, man. Oh, yeah. Like, I know it fits my agenda to say it, but... It's why I think it's good to just live with a DB's mistakes early in the season because it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like one of those things. You ever been to a science museum? You push the or you put the quarter in the slot and it, it like rolls around a big funnel and gets closer and closer and closer to the middle before it drops. DB's, mm-hmm. it's just like you're going to fail every which way, and the only f- hope is that you're getting a little closer to that perfect middle where you're physical, but not so physical that you draw a flag and you're breaking on balls, but you're not, you're not breaking so early that you're guessing and you're getting exposed on the back end of plays. And he hit that balance really, really well today. Would love to see him get a safety. I love Eddie Jackson, man, but I do wonder if we could get a better impact player at that spot, but also it's not like anybody's throwing at him. So I could understand it both ways where the safety you don't see in the broadcast is easy to complain about, but that's what people did for years. Uh, well, I, I, th- I think you can cover that if you get another edge and you generate more of a pass rush, then you can have anybody doing that. Right. But no, I mean, the, the interesting part here is, I mean, not only in the second half basically was Stevenson and Terrell Smith out there who I thought played okay as well. Um, I want to talk about Jalen Johnson because mm-hmm. 
he made a great play. He did to to get the the stop and then hurt his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Now shoulder issues have been an issue with him. That was the thing coming out of college, I believe, and um, not being healthy. I want that has to get factored in, man, to this deal. So it does, right? The problem is, is that when I went through and I looked at the different corners that you see at the top of the corner market, it dawned on me that corner is such an alien position where the athleticism it takes to survive out there just means that you generally have to be long, but not too thick, because if you're too thick, you're too slow. So you have to be long. You also have to be fast. You also have to be this. You also have to be that. Most of those guys miss like five games a year. That doesn't mean that this is a good injury. It just means like you're talking about. This is something that's going to factor into negotiations, but I would argue, Nick, it's another reason that it's going to come down to the tag. Right now, Jalen Johnson has no reason to take any deal the Bears offer him. The moment that he gets tagged, now there's a good reason to take the deal the Bears are offering him because you get more guaranteed money the moment that you take the extension, even if the the AAV is less. We'll have to see what happens, but like you're talking about, I if I was Jalen's agent, I would not say, ah, oh, we got hurt in the last game of the season where we got eliminated uh, from the playoffs based on no fault of our own. Ah, that's really going to kill me in negotiations. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I get it. But I mean, that I mean, availability and depth are huge. I mean, that's that's totally absolutely. So I have uh, I have a couple other stats here I want to throw your way. Let's do game. it again. Guys, I always look for the small things. I think that can matter here. So field position is big. Trent Taylor, 19 return yards on punts. I think that was that's a bonus. Trenton Gill, average 48.8 yards per punt. Okay, today. we're banging then. All, okay. all right, Trenton. <laughs> I mean, I, I wanted that in the Cleveland game. I mean, you did it two games in a row. That's nice. Time of possession, Robert. Have you looked this up or no? No, I bet it was 35 minutes or more. 37-14. Oh, my gosh. That rules. And speaking oh. of time of possession, by the way, every once in a while, you catch this glimpse. So I don't know if you've noticed this, but when the Bears are running the ball, frankly, even when they're passing the ball half the time, mm-hmm. there was one of those runs in the uh, red zone where they it's a screen to Khalil Herbert. He gets hit around a one-yard gain, battles forward anyways, and ends up face down on the one-yard line. Uh after like eight yards after contact. And then you see number 76 just fly into the picture and like knock two guys out. And <laughs> even better as one of them's getting or peeling themselves off the, the like snow ridden soldier field. He is on a knee staring at him. Like you can go back and you can watch the broadcast and you'll see Tevin Jenkins basically hunt his prey and make it clear that he knew what he did. And you see this with Darnell Wright. You see this with Tevin Jenkins. I can't believe that we actually are getting a nasty offensive line in Chicago, but we totally are. Like I know. I'm like, Joe, yeah. I'm just proud of Tevin for as far as he's come. I know he just got injured with the concussion, but like the injuries, but also – we might trade him. We might cut him, switching from tackle to guard. And like now he's like one of the best guards in the NFL. Like that's, oh, yeah. that, that takes something. I mean, if you think about playing tackle your whole life and thinking you're going to get paid so much more at tackle and to suck that up and, and to do it and transition from left to right to left as we've been jostling him around, dude, you get another hat tip. It is hard to look at this team right now. All right. So, Let's let's transition a little bit because it's so funny. This game was so open and shut. There's like not that much to get mad about. 
You know what I mean? Like, and sometimes the mad stuff is what extends discussion, but instead you and I are both just citing things. The other one goes, yep, because it was cut and dry. It's a good thing. Mm -hmm. If there's one thing that may not be as cut and dry as I think some fans want to make it, man, there are a lot of football teams that don't seem like they love football this much. Like there are a lot of teams in the NFL that don't seem like they've got the gas that the current Chicago bears do. And if like what Ian Rappaport reported, Flus is down to keep calling the defense because I don't really want him in a CEO role. I don't see the value there, right? Like we've got a good thing going. Let's keep it this way. Yep. Maybe we add some new uh, some new stuff on offense. I know a lot of people would love that. I'm I'm very between because I don't really want Fields learning a third offense. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. extra change is bad as I see it. It can get better, but couldn't we also theoretically tune up the offense by bringing in a new receivers coach, bringing in a new like QC? I, you get it, right? There's a lot well, more coaches. Or just pure center and wide receiver too. There's so many more ways to create offensive change than just mm-hmm. firing the offensive coordinator. And if you yeah. do fire the offensive coordinator, you probably should. There are too many issues. It's just a weird time to point it out. Like well, in this game. Well, well, two, two, two positives. Just more stats I'm going to throw at you into this offensive mm-hmm. discussion. And one, one negative. Five red zone trips today. Four touchdowns. They've, so that, that, that's hat tip to, to Getze. I got to give him some too. And to Fields, 432 yards mm-hmm. is outstanding. One negative though. Six of 16 on third down and one of two on fourth down. The Justin Fields, if we could give him some credit for a specific area of the field, that he is winning. He is winning in the red zone. If yeah. for any of the crazy Bears fans and of the of the people that I imagine are listening and watching this podcast right now, I bet it's quite a few of you crazy sickos. And you know, you probably also double boxed and watched the Jaguars game, right? <laughs> As they played the Carolina Panthers. And their first three red zone trips, they got down to the 10-yard line, worked their way to the five, and failed. That, Nick, is normal. And the Bears have not run into that problem in weeks. They get down to the five-yard line. Justin Fields is going to tote the pill, and he is going to score. Like, Justin Fields converts trips to the red zone at what feels like an insane rate that I cannot imagine hasn't been consistent through his whole career. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's not just one game or a two-game sample. It feels as if, Nick, when the Bears aren't moving the ball, they don't move it at all right? They aren't the offense to get 500 yards and only net 17 points. That just, the only game that that happened was the Washington game where everything went to hell last year. You know what I mean? Not the, not the most recent one, the one before that last year. Normally, if the bears are getting to the red zone, they'll put 30 on you. They'll put 40 on you. Like they'll, they'll at least put 27 on you. Well, you talked that's because of the threat of fields running. Like it changes everything because you have to account for that it gives you better matchups, better spacing, leverage for your receivers, play calls that you can do. It's just different. It, it's it's so different than if you had Jared Goff, which Jared Goff has done well most of this year, but he can't run like that. Like yep. you see running quarterbacks or the threat of running quarterbacks is so different once you get inside the 10 specifically. The funny part to me, Nick, is that running as a running quarterback does not need that much. 
The funny part about Fields is that at times I feel like it can be an embarrassment of riches. He's so fast and, and accelerates so quickly that he's into the end zone before anybody makes it competitive. The defense at times will just stop trying the moment oh, that yeah. they see he's about to run into the end zone because there's no contesting it. Drake May, to use an example, or Caleb Williams could probably score a lot of these rushing touchdowns. That's not me trying to draw a direct comparison. It's me pointing out this is why the league is starting to push this way, right? Josh Allen can take a frozen play and turn it into a touchdown. Patrick Mahomes has done it all the time. Jalen Hurts has done it all the time. Lamar Jackson may win MVP partially because of what he's able to do in these scenarios. You get into the red zone, you need that 11th offensive player. You know what I mean? Like, you need that dual threat because it just gives the defense so much more that they have to work through. It is wild watching Fields because Fields is probably as avant-garde a quarterback as you could see, and I really do mean that for those who don't know what I'm trying to say. Fields is very, very specific. Fields is a deep throw machine. Fields is one of the best rushers in football, and he's still coming along as, let's call it, a, a normalized quarterback. Right, at a, or right, Nick? Like an NFL passer, so to speak. But... The old way of doing things, he was an explosive play in a bottle. And you see that at times, even in today's game. And gosh, if you could just access a little more of that, keep the mm -hmm. chains moving this way, that way. I mean, for crying out loud, the chemistry he's developing with DJ Moore, the trust, dare I say it, makes you wonder, like, okay, if we do get Malik Neighbors, if we do get... Roma Dunze, God forbid we get Marvin Harrison Jr. Brock Bowers. Can you get two of these? Man, the only thing about the Bowers thing is that the, the day that a team commits two major resources to tight end for the betterment of the team, it, I will believe it. I will get right there with you. I don't New trust. England did with, with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, man. And then it did. Uh, that one failed for reasons completely well, outside that, of their control. But on the field, it worked. They <laughs> were, it was nice. It right. I mean, the, the benefit to two tight ends is that you don't know if it's run or pass. But to your point, a couple of things. One is that Fields did today. When you get in the 10 and inside the red zone and your guy can run and then run to throw, which Fields did today to Tyler Scott. He did. Like, and we saw last week when Mercedes Lewis was wide open because the guy has to come at field. He's like, oh, yep, wide open. Boop. Like, that's such a different thing. And the other thing is this. I hear this often, right? Well, if you get more weapons, it won't change because, you know, fields is so limited. Can he support weapons? Did you see him in college? He had weapons, and he just is like, yep, you're open. Boom, 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 boom. And he made them all eat. He's like, yep, I don't even need to run. We didn't know he was this good of a runner because he's just like distributing everywhere. So yep. I agree with you. If he if he can a little bit more on time, which he's getting better at, throwing over the middle, which he did, he's done better the past few games and eliminate some of these negative plays. That that was one of the things, Robert, I wanted to dive into was the, the mm -hmm. sacks that he took. Mm -hmm. So there were three. So one was when, and again, I want to get into this because you can hear on, on the audible and he's, and he's, there's a blitz coming and he's like, he says, Lucas. Okay. Me as an offensive guy, there's, there's, there's lucky there's Ringo, whatever. Lucas isn't a call. Lucas is his name. <laughs> Lucas, get the linebacker. <laughs> Lucas goes left and doesn't get the linebacker. To me, that was not a left call to me. That was Lucas. That's your guy. Luke, Mike, Mike, Lucas, not shifting left. That was, I think that was MI, which is missed assignment by Lucas Patrick. That was one sack and fields could do nothing there. The second one, I wanted to get into this because I, I want to hear your angle on this, Robert. Yeah. So right before the half mm -hmm. and Cairo Santos then 
missed the field goal and they almost returned it. And I had, I had for, for those that'll remember this bears fans, I had the Devin Hester field yes. goal return or further back the Nathan Vasher against, against yeah. the 49ers with no, the wind. If y'all remember awesome. that one. And I had that one going through my head. And I, I can't believe that we tackled him, but fields dropped back, rolled left mm-hmm. and then slid and got a sack of two yards instead of throwing it away. And then they took the timeout with four seconds left. Was I was that designed? I took this. That was a designed thing just to drain clock if the guy wasn't open and then I, kick with Google. So I took it as just a coaching point, which kind of is the same thing, sort of, where I think Fields was legitimately running for yardage, but he was going to get down wherever he was going to get down because they were trying to wind the clock. Where if you didn't, like you're saying, if you didn't get the open shot you wanted, that you you were going to make sure you went down inbounds so that you did not give uh, give Atlanta any chance to really do anything with it. Now you still did, and I right. can't. And I know that we've given him a lot of grief, but Lucas Patrick did a good job staying competitive in that play. Like I thought, Lucas Patrick, a wild as it was working all the way back to like the 30 yard line, getting in the way, forcing a cut, and then even getting his left hand on the guy's shoulder helped do just enough to help somebody else. And go it was, catch the guy. and I, when I watched the replay, I'm like, Oh, horse collar. And then it wasn't. So he did enough to tackle, not the horse collar, right? Which would have been a field goal. So yeah, I'll give him that credit. And then the last one was the play action with what? Just over 201 left on the clock. That one's on fields. So I would say yeah. one sack today was on Justin. And I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, I'm not trying to push for sacks. It's funny you talk about the pocket passer thing in college. I feel like, so there's a lot of people that want things to be really final, right? It's just never this easy, you know? Because you mentioned Fields was a pocket passer in college. Fields was a pocket passer in college. He really never had to work to his second read, though. He could be a pocket passer as a one read player because you could identify Chris Olave pre-snap. And if you didn't like Chris Olave's pre-snap matchup, well, there's Garrett Wilson. Like Mm -hmm. if you were, there was a brief time where he could move to Jackson Smith Jigba. His tight end was Jeremy Ruckert. Like he had NFL dudes across. Williams. Yeah. I mean, no, that was, that's Alabama. Um, No, no, he, he had him at at Ohio State. Was that back or then he transferred to Alabama? There you go. And, and, and Najigbo barely played with Fields. It I know. Was mainly, I it know. was mainly Olave, Wilson. And, Wilson. and then, and then. Um, I'm pretty sure there was a third one. I just always throw JSN in there for fun. Well, uh, he he redshirted. He was a redshirt freshman. Had like 15 catches. It was right. Jamison Williams caught. He caught one of the touchdowns in that, uh, that big game against Clemson. But, uh, but you, I'm, I'm with you. But Chicago can create that. And you could have yes. Harrison and more. That's and what I'm trying to get that. to. Right. Is it's like there's there's going to be we have to I think this is important to talk about. Like there are going to be parts of Fields' game that I really don't know how much let's call it classically better. They're really going to get right. But you could run a one and done matchup based offense feasibly if you had two to three matchups that you really, really liked or two to three weapons that you liked using where you could say, okay, all we really need you to do Fields is go one, maybe one to two at times and just if you don't like it get off it because the other guy is probably going to get better and then if you don't like either of those go ahead and run like you could probably imitate a lot of this now would you end up with a 5,000 yard passer I don't know 
right? But you definitely are going to get more value out of a Marvin Harrison Jr. than you're going to get out of a Darnell Moody. Now, is uh, would you get more out of Marvin Harrison Jr. if he was somebody else? Or if, if he was somewhere else? Nick, who cares? That's the hard part about this, right? It's like, we can try to take Justin Fields and say, oh, well, what if he was Josh Allen? But he's not literally Josh Allen. Like, he's mm-hmm. Justin Fields. There's a point where these players are their own guy. And for better or for worse, at times, they are who they are. Justin Fields is going to get you in his best games three to five first downs that you shouldn't get with anybody else. Like Tyler Taylor Heineke ran the ball and reminded everybody of what a normal NFL quarterback looks like. And he's considered athletic. Like that's, that's an athletic (laughs) quarterback in in a lot of cases. And so when Justin Fields is able to get out of these sacks that should not be the one where he broke two tackles, I mean, come on. Like that is, that is alien stuff. That's super good stuff. It is. And you know, the other part too is, is once they fix center, which again, almost anybody could fix center in this off season. Cause it, I mean, it doesn't take much to go up from 32 or 31. Um, once they fix that, Robert, you see this with defensive, with the edges is they're like, Hey, let's just contain this crazy superhero, whatever. Right. There's going to be less pass rush because a lot of the pass rush comes from the interior, from the middle, from Lucas Patrick going the wrong way. If you right. could just, have average center play, I think it changes a big dynamic because Fields does like to hold on to the ball. He does hate interior pressure. If you can change that, he hated that in college too. If you can change that, I think it's going to change a lot. Here, here's a couple of things. And we hear this debate often, and then we can probably get off the Fields thing if you want. But between Caleb or, or Drake May, which I'm open to either at this point, or Fields, is, is the differential between them and 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 what could be at that quarterback, right? Worth, because people talk about money, and I don't think the money matters because it's a three-year gap between paying someone an extension. And in that three years, let's say you get roughly three first-round picks. Let's just say three first-round picks, okay? Mm-hmm. They're going to be cheaper mm-hmm. than signing DN, safety, receiver, whatever, right? So the money you save there kind of already equates to that, in my opinion, and they'll be on those cheap five-year deals. So is the differential in the quarterback worth the three upgrades that you could have otherwise? Plus, you have to talk about hit rates, right? The right. hit rate of quarterback, right? For a hit rate of three other players. So, like, you already know Fields is not bust. Is he going to be 5,000-yard passer? I don't know. But if he's quarterback 12 and you upgraded three other spots – is that worth it to you plus the locker room? And that's the debate. The locker room's a big one. I mean, like you mentioned this, I mean, I, this plays perfectly into where I was going to go with this, which is like in Madden, I think this makes a lot more sense than in real life where it's way muddier on both sides of this. Like in the pro Justin Fields side, the locker room thing matters. You could say it doesn't matter. It matters a lot. Uh, on the other side of things, Nick, I don't think there's a world where Justin Fields, you pick up his fifth year option, he's going to amicably play through amicably play through the tag, right? Like the three years of control without an extension that people have talked about. I don't think that's going to happen. He's got David Mulgetta representing him. Like he's going to get his money, especially because if you traded the first overall pick twice, you obviously committed to him and yeah. he's going to have all kinds of leverage. Uh, are these bad? It's not. It's not explicitly bad. Right? Like, it's does this mean that it can't work? Absolutely not. The other thing, like, everybody talks about how you need to just keep taking swings at quarterback. Nobody does. 
Let me use an example. If the Bears traded back in the first round and then they picked up Bo Nix's insurance, well, now Bo Nix is kind of the guy. I mean, the Packers didn't take anybody other than Sean Clifford during the Jordan Love, like Aaron Rodgers tenure. And even the Jordan Love pick was criticized to no end because you basically wasted a pick for three years. Like, Nick, there's no world where you take Caleb Williams and you don't give him a four- to five-year run. But at the same time, if you took a J.J. McCarthy or you took a Shader Sanders or you took a Quinn Ewers, should he declare, like, later in the draft, they get the same run. Like, there's yeah. there's not really a world where you get a quicker hook on somebody who's taken in the second round or higher. And I say all this to just basically say, this thing is going to be complicated as hell. Like there, there are so many hooks in this. Do you think what Justin Fields is doing is replicable? What is he saying in the meetings? What's he doing on the practice field? Do you think that this can be sustained or do you think that he just played a hell of a game at the right time in the middle of adverse weather conditions? Who's to say his ball cut through the snow that sticks out because a lot of guys don't right. But what's going to happen next week? I bet that weighs pretty heavily on George McCaskey's mind. But man, Nick, we've been talking about how positive things are, and I'm, they still are positive. But for the first time in weeks, I'm really going to say, like, actually, I don't envy Pulse's decision at this point because it feels like it feels like there's five to seven ways to be wrong, at least in the eyes of the media, right? You may make the objective. Sm- uh, let me use one more example, and then I'll hand it back off to you, right? Ryan Poles, if, if he cares about Twitter, took a beating from Twitter for about 27 games over the George Pickens thing, right? And then George Pickens becomes a, a George Pickens becomes a problem in the locker room and he also catches for 200 yards a couple weeks later. So it's still kind of back and forth. With Jalen Carter, you end up with very similar stories where people are saying, "Oh, well they should have drafted this, but actually there are these problems that nobody would ever know about. They would never know about these problems." But this is something the GM had to consider. With the quarterback, with all of this, I have a feeling it's going to come down to all kinds of intangibles. I also think it's going to come down in part, not that anybody wants to admit it, to the bidding war that happens for Justin Fields services. If the best offer you get is a third round pick, but you can get two or you can get three firsts, Terry McLaurin to move down like two slots when all is said and done. Well, that's roughly tempting. On the other side, if the best you get is two firsts coming down from, and, and that's just two firsts, like, this year's first and next year's first to move down a couple slots for number one. I don't know why you would, you shouldn't, but if that was the case and on the other side, you get a first and a second for Justin Fields, then that changes the map. It's, it's all going to be messy. And at the best, the best part about it all, Nick is that you and I and any other fan, we're just never going to get enough information to accurately say whether it's a smart move until like three to four years after it played Mm -hmm. out, but it should Mm -hmm. result in more bears wins. And that's all I'm looking for. Well, here, here's here's the good news, y'all. One is, and I think Robert's in the same page that I am. I trust Ryan Pulse. He he is he early on, Byron Pringle, Lucas Patrick, Justin Jones, the signings, the Larry Okunjobi disaster. Ugh. This this year, you're seeing those guys, the the draft picks develop, the signings, the trades, all of that come together. I mean, Claypool, you could add to the negative, all that coming together. You can see the plan. I trust him. I, I would be okay with Fields. I'll be okay with Caleb. I'll be okay with May. I haven't looked enough at Jaden Daniels at this point. But the point is, it's a good problem to have because Very if you do trade Fields and you reset, then it it there's enough belief from Ryan Poles that this is the next 
whatever it could be, right? And you get some good capital from Fields. Or do you move on? Then they have enough from in the locker room, being with Fields for two years, this staff, this GM, Kevin Warren for one year, that they believe in Justin Fields. And so either way, it's good. The Bears should have nine or ten wins right now with the current roster. Then they may may not. We'll see. I think they're at ten right now. Let me check Tankathon. They are they're the tenth pick. But to back they up could have two to... top ten picks or all of the draft capital that goes with get trading down from one or getting Justin Fields. You're gonna add so much more to this roster. Things are looking up in Chicago. A few weeks ago with how Fields was playing, it didn't look like it was a, as much of a conversation, Robert. We've kind of talked about that. Right. Now it does. Like, this is good no matter what. It ups his look, draft capital or if he stays. You it's want me to good be all the way around. You want me to be like really, really shrewd, Nick? I could make an argument. All right. So using two football games that are happening right now, because they're like still happening, right, is not great analysis. But I want to make my point. So I'm going to go ahead and do this, right? <laughs> uh, the Geno Smith Seahawks are now down at home to the Mason Rudolph Steelers. Oh, just, just tied it. Uh, well, there you go. But either way, it's a split game. Uh, I still get to make my point because people would say that there's an obvious quarterback drop off and yet the game's tied. Weird. On the other side, uh, like a little further away in the country, you've got the Kansas City Chiefs who you could say easily have the best quarterback in football. Right. You could even say their whole offense is supported by the best quarterback in football. They are losing to a backup quarterback that has granted. I think Jake Browning's playing really, really well, but that's a well built team and they're losing in Arrowhead. Like you could if, if I was going to be very shrewd, but also make your point, Nick, there could be a real conversation where just for all the people that are terrified about what Justin Fields may be or not be, because you know, he gets hurt. You bring in a premium backup quarterback to run in the future with a team that you feel like if you end up with a Jake Browning scenario where you need to play, I don't know, let's just use Gardner Minshew as just a silly placeholder, right? Nick, that you're th sitting there thinking, okay, with DJ Moore, with Marvin Harrison Jr., with Brock Bowers and with Cole Kmet, and also with Chris Jones on our defensive line, like I'm not worried should Justin Fields get hurt about us continuing to win. And if you exactly. wanted to build that team, I totally get it because yep. it does kind of feel like, I, I don't know. It's, there are so many ways to be wrong. The, mm -hmm. this, this latter one, like the build, the better team one feels so comforting, but it has not it gotten the 49ers into the Super Bowl since Jimmy Garoppolo made it. What was that? Like four years ago. They keep finding ways to lose in the AFC championship game. I think it's the AFC. I get AFC, well, NFC. Hearing your UCL really hurts. Of course well. it does. Bad stuff happens, right? Yeah. I mean, to, to me, like, I think people. Winning a playoff so game would be a great turn for Chicago. And yeah. I have to keep reminding myself of that. <laughs> and I think people like always think of like, okay, who won the Super Bowl? And this, this is to win a playoff game, to win the Super Bowl. Lots of luck has to happen. Eli Manning has Tons. two and they had no business winning two. Nick Foles won one. They had no business winning one, and they beat the Bears in 2018 on the road in the wild card game. They had no business doing that, or the divisional game. Like, there, to me, I think part of it is let's build this team, whichever way. I'm okay with either way. I trust polls to get into the dance, which is the playoffs. And then you never know what happens. I mean, Chicago, I mean, with a really good defense back in the day and a run game, and Rex Grossman beat the high flying Saints offense in the NFC Championship game. They smacked them. 
Okay. You don't know what it's going to take, honestly. Okay. Okay. I'm going to present you a choice. I'm going to present you a choice that I think is very on the nose. Okay. Option A, you trade back number one, and I guarantee you that you're going to have at least two playoff wins over the next four years, right? And you have a 75% shot at a very good football team, whatever you decide that to be, right? Mm-hmm. You can pick your own representative. The, you are risking that Fields may never be that guy, right? But you, you are going to win a lot of games. On the other hand, you have a 50-50 shot. This is going to be a very, very high odds, which I'm making on purpose, right? So maybe we'll go 40-60 shot. You have a 40-60 shot to make the Super Bowl with the other option. Maybe the first option, it's only 15-20%. Ride with me for the sake of comparison. But you have a much higher chance of the whole thing failing and the team never even being like medium good, right? Them being like kind of fun, but ultimately not good. Whatever you think the current Jags are but that's like the peak and then it falls off from there. Yep. Would you take the one that gets you more wins, even if it gimps your chance at a Super Bowl a little bit, just because of how bad the last 10 years of Bears football have been and how frankly comforting it would be to have maybe four to five seasons where who knows if your quarterback's the best? Why does that matter? <laughs> like your team is dominant. You feel like you can root for things that aren't tanking. Like as early as October, wouldn't that be great to like still mm-hmm. think about the division race and all the other things that go into that? You get what I'm saying? Like, nope. would you take the first option, even if maybe in theory it lowers your chance at a Super Bowl? And it doesn't necessarily. My my decision, and again, that's without knowing all of the trade parameters, whatever. Right. My decision would be the first one. And this is this is partly because I haven't been like blown away on the film that I've seen of the quarterback prospects to think that the differential is Hall of Famer to quarterback 15 to 20 in the NFL. Like, I don't think that's the differential. I'll say that right now. I need to watch more. Sure. So 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 in my mind, let's make the team better. And if the Super Bowl chance is a little bit less. It's sure enough better than being a bust and the whole team falls apart. That's the thing, right? Because I don't blame anybody for saying, because here's the other thing that I, I almost feel like we can add to this, right? If you're the biggest field supporter out there, you probably admit that while field seems to be getting better, we've been through this before. We thought he was getting better at the end of 2022. We seemed like, we felt like we took some steps backwards in 2023 for good reasons. I'm not trying to pile on. I'm more trying to point out that there's risk of what does any of the or what do any of these quarterbacks look like in 2024 and beyond. But if you told me, Nick, that you were definitely much surer of what Fields wasn't going to be, like in terms of how bad it could get, and that that was a comfort, I, I do get that. <laughs> I yeah. mean, right. and, that, and that's the tough part because we don't know we don't know how Justin Fields is in the NFL with an average offensive line. Right. Or average weapons. We don't even know that yet. Well, we're much pretty less, sure that this offensive line is average, don't you think? Do you think it's below average? I would right now average, but you would take this whole season when you didn't have Pat um Braxton Jones for a long portion, Tevin Jenkins for a long portion. You'd have let's go back and remember the Lucas so, Patrick Cody Whitehair days. That's where I would argue that this this is where like the conversation just comes down to what are we saying to each other? And no right? Nate Davis. Because if I applied the same injuries the Bears took 
to any offensive line in football, I think we're going to mangle them too, right? We're going to be down our left tackle immediately. We're going to be down our left guard immediately. Our right guard is going to be down also. And like we have issues at center. So we got two guys playing hurt. We've got three guys that are out. Like if Mm -hmm. I, if I smacked that on the chiefs, if I popped that on the Eagles, if I put that on the Niners, they're going to have issues too. So is it an average offensive line room? I think it kind of always was, but to your point, like you had offensive line issues that the bears offensive staff was certainly not sorting out. And I don't want to hold that against fields one way or another, especially coming off of the best game of his life. I mean, I think so. (laughs) I mean, it's up there. I mean, you, you go back to last year, you think of like the lions game, you think of the Miami game, you think of Washington and um, Denver this year, like, He's putting together some stuff, man. It, it, I again, and I don't know right now that with a better line and a wide receiver too, with a pulse, it feels like at some point that he couldn't be top ten. What bugs me about what you just said is that you don't need to trade the number one overall pick to get that right. No. There, no. there's a, a just the littlest false equivalency that we see in the conversation where people say, "Yeah, but I want to get a second wide receiver," and I'm like, "You can't." <laughs> at this point you should be able i mean worst case scenario you end up with roma dunze who could absolutely toe tap in the end zone for that ball that tyler scott didn't haul in i don't know if he's separating all the way down but he'll open up other options for you i like tez walker quite a bit right you could go vlad mcconkey tons, of ways, you could go. tons yeah. of ways you could go the trading mm-hmm. down is to give you an embarrassment of resources right yes. you Another still edge. Yep. you still get and this is the part that i think gets really screwy nick you still get one shot at the new quarterback. Like mm-hmm. you, you're not going to take with, you're not going to get six first round picks over the next three years and use one on Bo Nix and then one on another prospect two years later, unless Bo Nix is just terrible. And I'm using Bo as just a name to bring up. Right, that's yeah. that's yep. not my guy. It. Right. I get it. Um, instead, you're going to get Jared Verse when he does the thing that Miles Murphy did and drops a little bit further than people expect him to. Right. The whole edge to run defender. I'm just saying this sounds like the ideal pair for Montez Sweat. If that's where you wanted to go. Uh, I, I like Dallas Turner, man. I like Dallas Turner a lot, too. And Latui Latu is the better edge rusher. But I'm thinking out loud about like which one could be an edge to day one that then grows into a really dangerous edge to. And I think where right. I think verse makes a lot of sense there. But that's me trying to think out what the Bears need and what they want from Flus. But it's all to say that like you're going to get a gross supplement of receivers. You're going to get chances yeah. are like a premium offensive lineman probably next year. If you don't add a couple premium defensive linemen, like, and then you could add a corner. You could add this. You could add that. It's I'm excited to be honest with you, because at the end of the day, Nick, we can take a step back. We can take a deep breath and say, whatever Ryan pulls decides right now, he's cooking with gas. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and him ma- imagine if Carolina was picked six right now. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, thank goodness. Fields looked good today, right? If, if, if honestly, just let's be so real. Fields has done enough to be relatively inspiring. It is easy to oversell how bad the season has been. It hasn't been that bad. It's just been worryingly similar in certain ways to the, to things that were in 2022, but worrying, not like clear cut. You know what I mean, Nick? Cause mm-hmm. the offensive scheme decayed. There are all kinds of injuries. DJ Moore is on pace for the best 
like the best season of his career. A quarterback's supposed to spike a wide receiver one's production, isn't he? So mm-hmm. you start looking through Cole Komet having the best season of his life at the same yep. time. I mean, these arguments for isn't Fields showing you something? Yeah, he's been showing us something. The question was always, is it enough compared to number one? If we had picked number six, we'd be saying, heck yeah, like we're going to get Malik Neighbors. It's a done deal. And then with a second pick, we're going to get this, that, or the other. Mm -hmm. We would still be talking about pretty much building the same team that we've been talking about, but the ceiling would be just a smidgen lower, right? We'd be basically trying to build a better version of the current Browns. Is that even bad? Like that, well, that's kind of fun. But, but, but see, so like the thing is, is you take that Browns team, they thought Deshaun Watson would be the Patrick Mahomes on top of that team. Like that, right. that's the whole thing is like, right. Cause there is this chance that it doesn't really work out, but we're, we're getting so far into the weeds, Robert. I'm happy. We really are. Carolina lost. I'm happy. Arizona won. That just makes it even more sealed because with, with Arizona winning, Robert, that pushes back the Marvin Harrison conversation. You can move back to two and get him or three. And potentially still get him. And the Bears crushed today. Like, the other thing that's impressive about Chicago today, Robert, is they they had the hot start, which they've had often. But then they closed it. They scored in the second. They yes. scored 16 points in the second half on top of the turnovers. Like, they clo- it was like the most well-rounded win right. that they've had. Instead of us hanging on. Because for a second, Robert, it creeped into everyone's mind of, Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Here it goes again. And then they slam the door shut like a good team does. Which I, I can't help awesome but think. I can't help but think that the hardest part about coaching is how do you maintain the lead? Like the Bears are not so good at running the ball that they can just run their normal offense. And I mean, if anything, Nick, you could argue that that's been part of the whole shift in current football, right? Like, in 2015, you need to plan around being down in the fourth quarter. So you built your whole offense on throwing the ball. And a lot of those teams struggled to maintain leads. Now you've got the Niners. That team is built to maintain a lead. Like yeah. It, yeah. when they've got a lead, they're going to run their normal offense because that's just what they do. How are they yeah. going to come back in the fourth? Uh, trick question. They don't. Like they showed Kyle Shanahan and his record when he's down, what was it, multiple scores in the fourth quarter? And it was like, oh, we just don't win these games. We're like, oh, and mm-hmm. 40 when we get into that situation. Yep. But everything comes at a cost, right? And so the neat part to me when I look at the Bears going forward is that there's so many different ways that they could go with this thing. But I do think Fields is always going to give them a box edge if they do stick with Justin. I think that the talent they can add to this team, man, Nick, this could just get really fun in a hurry. They've got good DBs. Terrell Smith. Like I give him a hard time because everybody likes to make the comparison. No, I mean he can he can play. Like it's not Kendall Vildor situation, right? Who and who made a play today, by the way? He did or yesterday. It's oh, look at him. <laughs> look at it. Look at him all growing up, right? It's <laughs> I'm so proud of him making a play. <laughs> I mean, I, and like, and and here's the the fear I think that people have mm-hmm. is you stay with Fields, he doesn't improve. And the team around him doesn't make it work. Like, for example, right now, y'all, quietly, the Philadelphia Eagles have lost four of their last five games. And part of that is Jalen Hurts got paid. And then they lost Javon Hargrave. Then they lost TJ Edwards. Then they lost some of that supporting cast around them. 
But I don't think Chicago can do that because they have the draft picks right now. And I don't think Justin Fields is going to command the contract Hurts is did. I kind of think that's the only contract. That's not me trying to dunk on Justin. Like, I, I promise I'm not boxing anything into some corner. It's more like I think you got the Jones extension as a floor if you're extending him. I do think chances are, Nick, best case scenario. You're sticking with Fields, you're picking up his fifth-year option, and you're saying, we'll figure it out at the end of the season. And, and that's that, right? And and then at the end of year four, you're either extending him or you're trading him for markedly less than you would get this offseason. Well, well p- part of it is that they could, okay, like if let's say Daniel Jones extension plus whatever, 5-10% is what is offered this offseason because mm-hmm. of the growth, right? And, the, and he's like, I want more than that. He could want to play on the fourth year and fifth year option to increase his price tag too. Like that's a whole part of this conversation. He could be right. like, I don't want to play it because I know I'm worth more than 45 a year. He totally might. I mean, I, I would be shocked if I was him. And I, could, I don't know. This is where the us and relating with athletes gets so funny, right? Because right. if I got offered 45 million a year, given the, <laughs> or given the career that he's had, and especially because like, you got to know that there's this nagging voice in Fields' head thinking, well, I could turn my ACL at any point. Like, I mean, what happened with Kyler? Like, Kyler got paid, let's say, a season too early. Good for Kyler, bad for the Cardinals, right? Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. e- either way, I'm not, I'm not worried. Like, I, I think that the Bears will handle this. I'm games like today are just so much fun to get to talk through because at the end of the day, Nick, if you told me that I'm cheering for a team built very similarly to the Cleveland Browns, uh, but you know not with somebody like Watson at quarterback uh, explicitly, like not the off field questions. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Right. Okay. I'll rock with it. Right. Mm-hmm. I actually think that maybe it is me having spent so long with the bears being so bad where I've been waiting for the star quarterback that was going to turn this team around and make it a consistent winner. And you probably do. I mean, in many ways, a hall of fame quarterback is going to do a lot for your team. Like let's not downplay the significance yeah, of the position, but yeah. A Hall of Fame quarterback might mean you're the Chargers if things go really wrong, right? A Hall of Mm -hmm. Fame quarterback might leave you scrapping to get into the playoffs, which the Bills have pulled off. Good for Josh Allen, right? But you could build a really good team that's going to win a lot more games than the Bears have. And it may not be, let's say, the preferred preferred option, but I can absolutely see the like chicken noodle soup, like when you're sick, comfort of... Next year, we are going to beat the Packers. We are going to beat the Lions. We are going to beat the Vikings. And we are going to see what happens in the playoffs. And speaking of, the Bears get the opportunity. Is it connected to you that the Bears can kick off 2024 with the only win that matters? What's that? Beating the Packers. Oh, 2020. Well, and I know this isn't the preview show, and I'm sure we're going to end this soon. But I mentioned this before, Robert. The Bears played the Lions and fell apart. The second time they played the Lions, they won. Mm-hmm. The Bears almost, Bajant threw that bomb to, to DJ Moore and underthrew it, remember, right? Yep. Soldier Field, lost to the Vikings. Second time they played him, beat the Vikings. Lost to, lost to Green Bay, first game of the year. Terrible. Let's not think about too much. Second time they play Green Bay is next week. Mm-hmm. And the Bears are going like this right now, and Green Bay's... I have a weird question for you, Nick. I thought Bryce Young was playing well. He hung 30 points on the Packers defense. 
How did uh how that how did Bryce Young and that offense look against Jacksonville? Dude, dude, the Packers defense looks like trash. So bad. <laughs> and Jair Alexander, like we talked about this. I don't know what's happening with him, whether he's going like Antonio Brown status with I don't know what's going on, but if he doesn't play next week too, he, that was with him playing some of the games too. With right. him not playing. This could be fun. Go. This could Let's be really go. fun. And we'll see. I mean, far be it from me to gas a bunch of Bears fans up about the Bears playing in Lambeau to end the season. This has gone well, never. But if we take from history, Nick, and we think about this, what is it? What does it seem awfully similar to that happened last year? You get what I'm oh, put, you oh, get you oh, get what I'm saying? Oh, Detroit for sure. Doesn't it? Doesn't well, it? Well, so one thing to keep in mind too, though. I mean, what if that game ended up being who wins gets in the playoffs because Tampa lost today. Mm-hmm. Seattle, who has the other wild card. Oh, I'm sorry, the Rams won. Seattle. It, it again score update live for y'all that are here people that are listening to this later on to be like ah different score 24 to 17 pittsburgh is up with the ball and they're driving so things could align where it's like that week 17 game in chicago where chris conte you know didn't convert well sorry julius peppers missed rogers and then chris conte didn't you know play the ball well that would be that could be fun next week it's it's so funny looking at this Bears season because we've gotten cameos from everybody, right? Chris Tabor takes over the Carolina Panthers and does not markedly change anything. Thank you, Chris, right? We had Andy Dalton, who apparently psyched Bryce Young up that when Bryce Young seemed as if he hurt his back there in the early part of the game, he, I'm going to attribute it to Andy that he got Bryce back into the game instead of finishing out the game himself. Thank you, Andy, right? Mitch Trubisky got uh, New England and Arizona key dubs that kick-started what ended up becoming four-way campaigns. Thank you, Mitch. It's only fitting that Mason Crosby, if that's who was doing the kicking, shanks a 54-yarder to keep the Giants from beating the Rams and all but officially eliminate the Bears from the playoffs. But I will live with it. Because the season that the Lions are watching, I know just enough Lions fans personally to see what this has meant to them. And my hope would be the Bears could have a very similar season next year. Now, we've been through this before. We had the Bears 100 season. And I don't really want to talk about it, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, also just talking about Detroit moving forward, who would be, you'd think, the the biggest you know opponent or toughest person in the division. We've seen the Eagles struggle without their coordinators losing Ben Johnson in that offense could be a lot bigger than people want to talk about. I still think that, that uh, Detroit built for now as opposed to the future. And I think that that roster is going to decay. I mean, that's not me being a bears fan either. I think that this draft was their opportunity to add some guys that you would be linebacker running back in round one linebacker running back. They took a 25 year old quarterback with an ACL problem. And they took Brian Branch and Sam Laporta. And shocker, those two have been awesome. Like, imagine three more of them. But they don't have that, do they? Nope. Instead, nope. they've got Amon Ross St. Brown, 
They've got Sam Laporta. They've got a drop-off. And then Jamison Williams fits in that other category. Oh, and they have a quarterback problem that they don't seem like they've got answers for. The three trade down thing, Nick, I don't want to think this far into the future. I'm about to make somebody roll their eyes into the back of their head. But if you told me that the Bears were going to do a triple trade back or the three trade back thing, wouldn't it stand to reason that the team that they took three first from would potentially be at its worst in that 2026 season? Because then they just went two more off seasons without first round picks. Yep. So maybe we all chuckle and say to ourselves, well, every year going forward, we'll have two first round picks to scrub together and potentially move on. Like, no, no, no. Every year polls is going to find the number one pick somehow. This man, is just, that would be sick. This is just going to be the way. I mean, like, I mean, I, I play a lot of fantasy Robert and I always try to figure out who's going to be the worst the next year and get there first a year early. Sometimes it works out and you feel like a genius. Sometimes, you know, you don't, but it could be a lot of fun. Do you want to, um, do you want to close out so we can get to some of the questions in our chat here? We got a lot of people here. Yeah, I think that sounds good. I mean, more than anything, closing this thing out, like y'all, this has, this has turned into a really fun bear season. This, it's not the bear season that I expected. It's not the fun I expected to be having, to be honest with you, Nick. Uh, you, we were, we were there when we were predicting the bears record. We said seven bars was the win. Here they are for better or for worse. It does feel like that was the bar. And now Matty Eberflus is staying, regardless of our feelings about the matter, right? But the arrow feels definitively pointing up. Thank God. Like, I mean, this this rules. It's so mm -hmm. much fun watching a Bears team that doesn't feel like it's getting outclassed every Sunday. The Bears gave the Browns a better game than the Jets did. Like, I know that that's a low bar to plenty, but there are plenty of these teams that the... The transitive property is working real well for the Bears. Let me put it that way, right? Where it's like the Bears smoked the Lions, arguably twice, and then they give the Dallas Cowboys a game that makes you wonder, okay, what would these Bears look like against Dallas? Because the latest time the Bears had gotten blown out was Los Angeles. Like, yep. there is a point, and we're quickly reaching it, where we can say the Bears right now are just playing really well. Probably as good as I've seen them play collectively since 2018. Yep. And now, is that sustainable? Good question. But instead of being at the top of the hill, they're still on the way up, which is really exciting. And even if they spend their resources badly, they should at least be better throughout the next 365 days of your life, Bears fan. And I see that as a big positive. Easily. Easily. What about you? Final thoughts? Um, okay. First off, I don't know when this is going to get released, but, uh, happy new year y'all today. I mean, it's going to be live and I'm going to have it posted by, okay. uh, the evening so that I can okay. leave. All right. So uh, happy new year, everyone. Um, be safe. Okay. Make smart decisions, call Ubers, et cetera. If you're going to be out and partying, um, but celebrate, celebrate Chicago having seven wins y'all, even if they don't win next week, they have more than doubled their win total. They are close to average in the NFL. Justin Fields played well. A lot of the young guys played well. The secondary, Dexter, um, lots of guys have played well, which only gives us a lot of hope. And hope is so much more fun in the offseason yes. than doom and gloom. But we get the first pick and we get the rising roster. So everything is, is fun. Be nice on Twitter, man. There are way too many battles on there right now, man. Like... 
everything is a good choice. Just trust Ryan Poles. Oh, yeah. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. I want to read one quote for you because I think it's hilarious, right? Yeah. And I'm just going to give everybody a warning. Uh, I'm not going to mark the podcast explicit, but this quote from DJ Moore involves an explicit word, and I am not taking it out because it's hilarious. But so somebody asked DJ Moore about the Bears getting the number one overall pick, and he said, I mean, shit, I was the number one pick when they traded for me. But I mean, thanks to Carolina. That's all I can say to that. And DJ, we agree. But so, yeah. I I have one other thing. Sorry. Go for it. Okay, that is awesome. And... (laughs) And true. Yep. Right? Like you like if you knew you had a 1300 yard receiver at the age of 26 and you could have him, yeah, that's that's worth easily a top 10 pick. Yes or right? no, do you think he goes and asks for a raise? I think the answer is yes. He deserves but... a raise. He deserves a raise. <laughs> it just, just makes the cap thing. question weirder. But yeah. so overall, man, I'll close up by just we already did closings, but gosh. Okay, so for anybody listening, uh, first of all, thank you for listening. Uh, get your Q and A in for our Thursday show uh, when we do when we preview the final game of the season, which could be a very raucous Packers week that brings the Bears to eight wins for the first time since twenty twenty. Was it? Um, but anyways, so second of all, rate us, like the show, like it on YouTube, tell your friends. Tell us where we could get better. Tell us where we could improve. But moreover, a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify goes further than you realize because it basically tricks their algorithms into serving more Bears fans our show so that we can get this thing off the ground. The better ratings we get, the more shows you get. The moment this show puts a little money in me and Nick's pocket is the moment we get to do three shows. And so that's that's always been the goal, but we gotta be or we gotta get enough listens so that we can sell it to sponsors and put a little ad break in the middle that everybody can work out with. You get it. This is how content is. But mm-hmm. third of all, thank you so much to everybody who listens. You guys have made this season fun for the both of us, and we have had so much fun putting this thing together. And happy have a wonderful and happy new year, just like Nick said. Be safe out there. Go bears. And until next time. Bear down, and thank you so much for bearing with us. 